Welcome to Before the Come Up. In this podcast, I sit down with a different member of the Columbia Business School class of 2023. Each week, I learn about their backgrounds, their upbringings, and things that motivate them and drive them. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. So welcome to another episode of Before the Come Up. I'm so excited to be joined by Isabella. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So let's jump right in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from um, and what it was like growing up there? Yeah, so I was born in New York. Both my parents um, got married before they both both got their MBAs. Um, And they were living in New York. My dad was, I think they were both investment bankers, actually, which is sick (laughs) for like the 90s. Um, so I was born here in New York and we moved to Bogota, Colombia, um, very shortly thereafter. My dad is Colombian and my mom is Mexican. Um, and I say we because I'm a twin. Wow. Yeah. So, um, my family has two sets of twins, actually. I know. Whoa, yeah. that's so cool. Okay, we'll get all into that a little bit later, but... Tell me, so wait, you're like literally the product of like MBA love. Like did your parents meet in the program? No, No, they met before. They met before, they got married and they went, but they went separate. Incredible. Yeah. Okay, Uh cool. So if I understand correctly, so then you moved to Colombia and kind of, I guess, came to consciousness there. Like that's where your first like understandings of the world were. So what was that like? What was it like growing up in Bogota? Um, I think so. I think when I was living there, it was great. Like, I do think I had a great childhood. I think in hindsight, it was um, quite insular and I think very specific. So I grew up in a time when um, Colombia was very like super dangerous. Like there was like the FARC and the internal conflict. And there were like a lot of like kidnappings and bombs. And like, um, so like, I think there we really were only like allowed to go to, from like school to our country club, to our house. Like whenever we went to friends' houses, when we got there, we had to call because they didn't. They like my parents didn't know where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though like I think it was wonderful, I think in hindsight, when like when I came to the U.S. and kind of realized that like I, my sense of like um, danger is like much higher. Mm-hmm. Like like I I'm like yeah I'll walk home after going out at 3 a.m. Like nothing's gonna happen to me. Right. But my friends are like no like you probably shouldn't do that. Um, and also, like, for example, like, when you were going to the mall, like, we always had bulletproof cars, which I then learned it wasn't a thing. Yeah. I, like, learned it wasn't a thing to, like, have, like, the military check. You had to, like, go, when you were going to the mall, like, the parking lot was under. So, like, you're, you, the person that was driving had to turn off the car and then open all the doors because then literally the military and bomb-smelling dogs would like circle your car and the and the dog would get into the car and they would use the things to like reflect the under the car to make sure you didn't have a car bomb sure. um or like there was a country club that was there was a car bomb in the country club when i was in the i think it was third second grade and like a ton of the a ton of my um um not ton not a ton but like my neighbor's dad was killed in it wow. yeah so like um in general like i think overall it was quite a, like a privileged um lifestyle growing up you know i went to american private school we had drivers like we had like the cleaning lady like it was all that to me was like net normal mm-hmm. um but i think when i came to the u.s i kind of like i was i couldn't fathom that people hadn't grown up like that yeah right but. right so um 
when did you come to the US and when like what was that like um I asked because um I was also born in the US but then moved back to where my parents are from which is Ghana mm-hmm. at a very young age so I only came back to the US for like college at 18 Same. and it was like a interesting transition where it's like I am American but um I'm coming here kind of like a, as a foreigner right so tell me a little bit about that for you Yeah it was the same um I think my parents always pushed us to like um go abroad and study like abroad so my sister went to university in Mexico and I went I came to um DC I went to GW um and it was very interesting I think I realized how like I was useless like I was I had never like cleaned in my life I like thought chicken came pre-seasoned like I had never like like it's very embarrassing but like made my bed like it was i think my first year of college i think in general college was quite difficult for me uh but my first year of college was like i think very difficult in like multiple things um i was like had to like fend for myself which was difficult within its own i think the classes in college were sick. my my school was trash i think my school is now a lot better but my school was trash so like the classes were very i was it was very hard there was it was cold afterwards and i think gw is like a very complicated like social like it's quite complicated socially mm. um so i really struggled i think i struggled where some people like struggle like fending for themselves they have like a good group of friends i think i struggled in like all in everything so it was like very my college life was chaotic yeah but i but i had a I no, no mind. I was going to say I have a good time but like I didn't. <laughs> I was happy to graduate. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, okay, you t- you told me something which is quite interesting. So, um you and your twin sister went to different schools. Yes. In different countries. Yes. Um so tell me a little bit about your relationship with your twins. I'm plural because yeah. there's two sets of you. So like what was it like growing up in that family? Like what's the dynamic like? Um because I can't imagine what it's like having a twin sibling but having two sets, I'm sure there's some unique things that that come around with that too. Yeah, so I will say that my sister and I now are like my sister she's like one of my best friends. Um but I think growing up, I don't know what it was. I think when you're a kid you like learn how to relate to others via how your parents relate to each other mm-hmm. um and my parents they're divorced now which like thank god but i they didn't have a great relationship and i think that's what we saw and that's what we thought was normal so growing up i think um we like really didn't like each other like i think my sister was like my worst enemy like it was it was it wasn't until we were able we were so far away that we kind of were able to like make make amends and become friends but like we had a really like like we didn't have a good relationship like at all uh and my siblings it was like very my family life was like even though it was like totally stable and everything it was like quite chaotic in terms of like communication style like affection like it, it was like a lot. It, so you guys want the twins to come to school wearing the same outfit. No. No, no. And one and because we're two girls we're fraternal so we yeah. don't look we don't look the same. Um I think my mom specifically made a very big effort when we were kids to like have us be our own person yeah. and like they didn't dress us like oh like you're in blue and you're in pink the same <laughs> outfit. No, 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 no. We were like two different people. Oh, sure. 
Um, and we grew up to be like two very different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is great because we all, I also had another set of twins in my grade and they like looked the same and it was weird. I was like, this is really giving really, really weird vibes. Like her and I different. <laughs> got you, got you. So you guys aren't the mind reading uh, twins where you know what she's thinking or perhaps you do. Now, as our relationship has gotten stronger, I think yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think also it's, it's, um, it's, it's easy to be like a mind reader um, when if she was at CBS yeah. I think it would be very difficult yeah. you get caught up in like everything but because she's far away mm. um, and like from a, like an objective standpoint yeah. I think I can tell her things that are going on and she maybe I'm thinking it but I'm like overclouded with like emotions mm-hmm. and she's able to like put like my feelings into words thank you for sharing um I asked this question ever since, you know, day one of the podcast. What's the story behind your name? Oh, it's a good story. Um, so, 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 okay. So, like, some of back backstory. My mom, like, couldn't get pregnant. Um, and she, like, they had tried everything. Um, she was, like, she ended up, like, befriending her gynecologist who referred her to this, like, hotshot OBGYN that was doing, um, who then put her into, like, a clinical trial for IVF at New York Prez. Wow. Yeah, so we were like, trial babies. <laughs> um, so we were IVF, but so, like, essentially, like, what this was, like, there was so much excitement yeah. around their birth. Um, and we were two girls, so, like, the mom having two girls. Um, so they were trying to figure out, like, what we're, what we're going to be called, and my, they had a hat with many names, um, and I think it was my either my mom or my dad, I don't know who, would sit down after coming from work and take out the names that he didn't like. So then in the end, I think there were three names left. It was Isabella, Valentina, which is my sister, and then there was also Paulina. Uh, and Paulina like ended up being like a, the third runner. Uh, but yeah, it was a product of like a name bag and my dad picking, <laughs> picking it out. Very cool. Um, and as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you have kind of like, were you one of those kids who had a clear idea or was always like trying to go towards something, either like a theme or were you kind of like go with the flow and like weren't really sure at that point? I don't think I can tell you that I was wanting to be something when I was growing up. I don't know. I think my parents have had a lot of influence in like what I've chosen to like study. But I think I, I always wanted to be a mom for sure. Like, there's no, there was, like, not a single doubt in my mind that I want to be a mom. So I think I would grow up wanting to be a mom. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your career before CBS and what ultimately inspired you to come and get your MBA here. Yeah, so my career pre-CBS is, like, really, like, the product of, like, choices that were, like, (laughs) essentially, I, um... Wanted, I knew I wanted to move to New York, but I think I wanted to move to New York because everyone was moving to New York. So I was like, me too, let's do it. So I was on doing the on-campus recruiting at GW and Macy's was doing this. They were recruiting for an executive development program. And I was like, fuck it, let's, let's go. But I, inner, I fully had never read the job description until, like, until I got the job. Like I didn't know, I mean, I remember being like, wait, like remind me what I'm interviewing for. Um, so that's how I got into retail. Yeah. So I was there for, um, I think, eight months after I graduated. It was, I think it set me up. There's a lot of hype in the retail industry around the Macy's program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it gave me some level of credibility. I think it's not great, but it like gave me a platform. 
Um, and then I got recruited. It was in 20, the end of 2017, the beginning of 2018, when Jet.com, like, or Jet.com was acquired in 2017 by Walmart, but they were, they were like, they were doing this big recruiting push. So I was part of the initial recruiting of like the first class of category specialists. Um, so I was there and also like fully accidental. Like I didn't like my job at Macy's. This other thing came around. I was like, yeah, I guess I'll like go do that. Seems like better. The office has better lighting. <laughs> um, my office at Macy's didn't have, didn't have any windows. It was wow. horrible. It was yeah. horrible. Were you ever in yours or you came straight to the No, campus? I came here. Yeah, I know, thank God. not have liked that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got to uh, Walmart and I think I realized I kind of like at that point fell in love with the work that I was doing. Um, I was managing um, the vacuum cleaners PNL for Walmart.com, which was in hindsight like huge responsibility. I was making these really big decisions on pricing, on like new product development. Like it was incredible. Um, it was incredible. And then I um, left Walmart in February of 2020. Which was great because then in 2020, we got the, in March, I got a pandemic. So I only got three weeks of like great job um, opportunities and like whatever. Um, but I eventually got, um, I was able to land this role at Amazon. Um, and and I ended up on like, I think the best team I could have ever ended up at Amazon. I was on Amazon Canada. I was selling toys. Like it was super high visibility. It was like really, like I, I think it helped me develop at Walmart, I developed all of these like merchandising skills and pricing and like a lot of like more like the soft skills. I did SEO, I did a CM, but I think at, at Amazon, I really, it was like super data driven. It was incredibly like, like, mm. like financial models. Like it was very, it was so, I was in over my head. It was very like sophisticated from yeah. like a data standpoint where at Walmart, I was like, yeah, I want to price it at like 30. <laughs> And here they were like, you can't touch the pricing model. Like you can't do that. So I, it was like a totally new. So um, you like had full discretion to be like thirty at like, Walmart. Yeah, anything. <laughs> no, no, we were doing. It was like I think Walmart got sued eventually. Like oh I think gosh. the SEC came for them because of like the pricing. Yeah. It was crazy. So then at Amazon, I was there like almost two years. I was fully remote mm-hmm. for the whole time. I was supposed to be out of Seattle, yeah. and I wasn't. And I think the the stars really aligned yeah, in terms yeah, of like yeah. the category, the hiring manager. Like he was great. He was from Mexico. Him and I like understood ourselves perfectly. Um, the hours were again like brutal because I was working. Um, I I'm a morning person. I was working in New York, and they were in Seattle. But like mm. so they worked really long hours. So sure. me too. But like it was a pandemic, and it was totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. So in terms of how I got to business school, I always knew that I was going to business school. Um, I always knew it. It was a matter of like how I'm getting there mm-hmm. um, than whether or not whether I'm getting there. And I actually thought that I would come to business school the year before. But then I, I always thought that I would be at Walmart for enough to take me over to business school to then land me at Amazon. <laughs> that was always my plan. Yeah. And, um, and then I had, to def- I had to delay a year because I left. <laughs> um, and I already went had gone to Amazon. Yeah. So I always knew that I was coming. Got you. Wow. So, um, once you get to CVS, you, you know, as you've said, your plan was to Walmart, business school, then Amazon, you've gone to Amazon. So like, what's the plan like coming in? Like, what was the rationale? Also, like we were discussing earlier, I believe you're the first J-term on the podcast. So tell us a little bit about one, like what you hope to do post business school now that you've, you know, done the big job. 
but what is it like being a JTAMA? And like, what are some of the pros and cons you've kind of realized in that process? Um, so post business school, I would like to join um, a direct to consumer. So I would like to stay within the retail sphere. Mm-hmm. So that being like a software, um, or like or, or like like either a technology company or a direct to consumer company doing either in on the technology side. If I were to do that, I would want to be a chief of staff. On the more like direct to consumer actual retail side, I would like to be somewhere within the supply chain or like actual merchandising. So I. I'm like a retail girl. I love it. Like Q4 is my favorite time of year. Um, nice. You know, I worked always through Thanksgiving. Um, so I want to stay within the retail sphere. Sure. For a J term, I think my answer is more complicated. Essentially, I had gotten into booth and I had gotten into talk. And talk had always been my top choice. And my old manager had gone to talk and I loved him. And I had always wanted to go to talk and they gave me a full ride. Um, but... And then I got into Columbia as well, but then I got into the J-term. They were like, no fall term for you, J-term. I also got into Fuqua and I got a full ride as well there. So then I'm like, I have a couple of options. I have like the option of going to Booth um, for money, whatever. I had the op- option of going to Fuqua, a talk that had always been my dream school for free, essentially. And then I had the option of staying, in Col- staying at CBS, staying in New York and coming to CBS, mm-hmm. which had always been, I had always said, I'm never going to CBS. I'm never going to business school in New York. It was like the resistance was immense. Um, and what had happened was that um, I had been in a, in a quite a serious relationship, not um, like when I was still applying to business school. Yeah. And then we broke up and then I moved back to New York. Mm-hmm. And then this was six months later. So like the, the decision had to less. The decision had to, I, I had to decide whether or not I was coming to the J term mm-hmm. four months after my breakup. Um, and I I think I think I was still like it was it was so hard. It was so hard because I remember like I had totally discarded booth. I decided that booth wasn't the right fit for me. But with talk, I had always talked about going to talk. Yeah. Um and I remember like what was it like December 14th or something of, of last year that I had to go to talk because I was like, I've never been here. So I have to go. I have to go see it. And I have to because I have to decide whether I'm going to date him because I have told my boss right. that I'm going, that I'm leaving. Um, so I went and I and I like and I like really liked it. And but there was something that like wasn't clicking. And I remember sitting in like this beautiful quad, like a very, very. Um, warm December day because it was warm it was it was like I was like wearing like a leather jacket I was like this is great not I'm sure <laughs> not how it is normally and calling my mom and being like I don't know what to do I don't want to do the J term but I also don't know if I want to come here yeah. and like and explain to her why I wanted to come here and then she asked me like um, what did she ask me she asked me like why why are you like trying to sell this to me or like or like something like that and then she told me that I didn't always have to have to make the harder choice. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my God. Um, and I think talk would have been harder. It would have been harder social. I would have had to like, I was in a point in my life where I was back in New York after a year, mm-hmm. by the, back in New York, and I was like rebuilding. I was rebuilding my life as like me without a boyfriend. Right. Um, and working from home. I was like in a very like, I was rebuilding my life and the thought of like having to leave New York again. I couldn't do it. 
and we have some water. Um, have a sip of water. Those everyone cry on this podcast. <laughs> Whatever. So like I um the thought of like leave. I sorry this I chose to stay. Yeah. I chose New York. I chose my my old friends. I chose my new friends. I think um because I was so resistant to come to Colum to to attend Columbia and come to the J term. I did absolutely no research on it. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I think it, if I would have done more research and spoken to more people, I don't think I would have come. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I'm glad I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but in a way, I wish I did. <laughs> like, I wish I knew what I was getting myself sure, into. Sure, uh, yeah. I think the day term is great for um, sponsored consultants, uh, for people that, are, people that are in family businesses, people that like, um, like wanted a smaller class. I think the J term is great for that. I think it's a super international. All the sponsored consultants are there. I thought about, I knew February 14th was the day I could leave CBS and go to talk and get all my money back. Wow. I knew that. And I was like, and I was fit and I was speaking to my mom and I was talking and I was like, am I going to leave? Am I not going to leave? Am I going to drop? Am I not going to drop? Yeah. Because I wasn't sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. <laughs> and would you say that the like obviously that date came and you decided to stay was there um anything major that like came to play into that or was it like look let me just see this out um you know obviously you're comfortable in new york mm-hmm. um you're just been one of the first people in this brand new campus i'm sure that couldn't hurt um but yeah no i think um i think it really i think those first the first month and a half really set like i think it allowed me to realize that there was a world where i could like live this like double life and maybe at some point combine it and also every single day that i woke up and i went and i like commuted up to campus i was like i'm so grateful Amazing. Um, so what are the, some of the things that are your passions? You already talked about how, you know, from a pre- professional standpoint, you're passionate about mm-hmm. retail and stuff. What are some of the clubs you're like involved with on campus and outside of campus? Like what are kind of your interests? And like if one of your friends was to describe you like, oh, three things that like some Isabella are up, like what, what would they say? Okay. So within CBS, I'm in RLG, I'm in LABA and I'm in QUIB, which is Columbia Women in Business. Um, I in, in within the retail sphere, I am passionate about value retailing. Fuck luxury retail. Like I am a girl of the masses. I love Walmart, my friends, and I had such a bad time at Walmart. But I am like the biggest. I love Walmart, so I love so I love to like come to RLG and like be on the board and have like a have a different perspective of like people that are coming to luxury. I've been working with like the two professors or three professors to change the retail curriculum to make it more like um operational and like mass compared to like all these like strategy courses for luxury goods um so i at cbs that has been like my pride and joy like being able to like make it like work like gain approval from like the professors that i'm not crazy that actually value is like significantly better and that there needs to be a change mm-hmm. it's the retail and luxury club right it's not like it's not the luxury club right, right. um so that is like i feel very strongly about that <laughs> um and outside of work i uh, i read a lot i am a big reader um i also like to work out i like to be with i like to hang i love my friends like my i have like five friends outside. like i i only have like five but they're like the best five people you, you'll ever meet um, and I think in terms of like something that like 
that I'm like passionate about. I'm first, I don't know, I would not know how, why to tell you this. Like, I don't know why. But I've always been like super interested in like the achievement gap for low income, um, like minority students. And like there's been a lot, many, many books written about like, um, so there's like the privileged poor, there's um, the years that matter most. Um, I think a couple of, there's a couple of other ones on like um, the like experience of growing up um, poor in America and coming to these like wealthy institutions and like why some succeed and why some others don't and like what you can do and like and then before coming to business school I got really involved in this program called um, EHCP which is East Harlem Tutoring Program which I was like uh, I was a math tutor for a few years and then I became a college counselor Um, and like I don't I don't know why because I didn't grow up here when I was at Amazon I also did a lot of like the Latin mentorship and I keep in touch with like the girls that I've mentored and like I feel um, very strongly about how like the U.S. educational system is crazy um, but also how like I, I think there are a lot of opportunities but like people don't know about them and then like the public schools are like really underfunded it like um, to, to me it makes no sense like I think having grown up in Colombia um, and you see poverty and I think it's a very different level of poverty compared to what there is in the U.S. Um, it just I don't know it's it's crazy to think that in the like richest country in the world like the schools right. are so bad yeah um and it's sad you know it's like and, and and it it like i think for these kids like even if they come to cbs like they don't they're not friends with like the mexicans who just moved here like they have other friends um and i've so i've always been like really um Yeah, if you ask me, like, what I'm most interested in, like, what my other career path would have mm -hmm. been, I think I have two answers. If I had another career path, I would have either gotten, like, a PhD and, like, something like that mm -hmm. in some, in, like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I couldn't quite tell you what it is. I also studied sociology when I, in college. Um, so I don't know what it is. I would have gotten a PhD in something like that, mm -hmm. or I would be in college admissions. <laughs> nice. I love college admissions. I don't, it's, it goes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah. No, it does. Um, amazing. Thanks so much for sharing. Do you have someone who inspires you? Do you have like a, a few people who you kind of like look up to for inspiration in your life? Hmm. Yeah, I look up to my mom a lot. Mm. So I'll tell you a little bit about my mom. Um, she's great. She has four kids. But other than that, my mom grew up in like a, um, I think quite a privileged background in Mexico and me the Mexican society is very closed off and like I think at that at that time in her life she grew up she like was born I think in 64 um she's turning 60 this year um and so she grew up and I think she always she always thought I don't know if my mom thought she was gonna work right I think she always thought she would be like a mom and like do that and like that's it um and then she um started working for my um for my grandfather's business uh, and she met this guy and it was she this is like the love of her life and she was quite young i think she was like 23 or 24 and they got married and it was like the most wonderful thing in the world and then he died in a car crash that she was in so they were coming back from a wedding Whoa. they was they were in a jeep no seat there weren't any seatbelts at the time and i don't know what happened but like the, the, her um then husband died when she was 24 Um, so then she, I mean, moves on from that, I guess. Like, 
you know, it keeps working and then meets my dad. And eventually, like, I think my mom, they they go to business school. She enrolls in a business school as well. Eventually, she starts working in, like, um, she, out of business school, she got a job at HSBC in the, in one of the first emerging markets um, teams. And there were three women. It was three, it was, like, three women. And their boss was out of Hong Kong in, like, the 80s or, like, not of the 90s and 90s, right? Like, I think 96 or, no, 94. Um, so like, and all of a sudden my mom was like an investment banker. <laughs> she thought she was going to be a housewife. Right. She went to, she got an MBA. Like, like these were things that like, I think we talk about these things and because we're at business school, we're like, it's like net normal, sure. but it's not normal. And it wasn't normal then yeah. for her to like do that. Like her, my aunt is a housewife. Like, well, she's great. She loves it. But like, she didn't do that. Right. And then they moved back to Colombia and my mom never stopped working. She's, she still works, she's still on boards, she's still like, um, you know, she worked like part-time and then not part-time and she like still, and I think it's um, been a really, not just having like such a high achieving dad, because I think in the Latin American community and many communities, you expect the man to provide and you have almost like, my dad went to HBS, it's like you almost expect them to have gone to HBS, right? But like your mom, I think my mom was the only mom in her friend group that had, a, that had an MBA. Like, that's sick. She was an investment banker. Like, um, so I think my mom really, it would have been, I think I would have done a disservice to my kids if I wasn't here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Very interesting. Tell me, do you have any hidden talents? Ugh. I don't know. I think I'm like actually quite funny. Um, I think my friends would describe me as funny, but like funny in like and in, in, like you have to have lived in New York for like a long time and understand like New York pop culture <laughs> for you to understand that I'm funny. Okay. Because if not, you're like this girl is not funny. You know what I mean? Like oh no, like what is like oh you're going to this restaurant as a first date? Like this guy is this right? Like that's um I think that is my hidden talent. Um, being nice. funny. Um, but very yeah. niche to New York. It's a, it, it's incredibly <laughs> niche. Like it does it does not translate well. Amazing. Um, so, tell me, do you have a favorite quote? Um, or favorite piece of advice? You can give me both. So your... I think I have I have I think I have two pieces of advice. Yeah. And my first piece of advice is that if you never ask, the answer is always no. Mm. The worst thing they can say is no. Like, that is... And I think, like... I think that's something that I, that, that I like... That I live by. Um, and then the other... I think... And then the other piece of advice is... Um, like, I think life gets better the more you get grateful. Mm. I like that a lot. I'm a big yeah. fan of gratitude as Me well. Me too. Yeah. Um... And right on cue, we are on the gratitude section of the podcast. Love it. This is your opportunity to put out some love into the universe. And, you know, in our busy... I love this part. (laughs) In our busy lives, we often forget to say thank you or, like, give shout-outs and love to the people who are important in our lives. So take that moment to do that now. 
Okay. Well, first of all, thank you to my best friend, Maggie Ellisberg, because single-handedly we have gotten each other through the J-term, uh, and she's the best travel partner and, like, girlfriend ever. We went to India for, like, say, 17 days, her and I, and, like, had, like, a life-changing trip. Wow. So, like, shout out to her. Um, I think also to my friend, Ampi, who is, I think, very much on my similar wavelength. I'm very, I'm very grateful that I found her. Um, and then also to my other four friends. I'm not going to name them. I'll send you this podcast. But, like, they're, like, uh, I think friends in New York are very special and, like, very specific to the city. And if you've lived here long enough, you understand that, like, your friends become your family and your, like, your support system. So, like, shout out to my four friends, too, for, like... Um, Oof, dealing with business school and like me when I was sad and me when I'm annoying and like the best group chat you will never be part of. <laughs> like, thank you for that. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, what should someone on campus reach out to you for help about? Okay, a few things actually. Um, hip, if you need a haircut, if you're a girl, you need a haircut. I have the best hairdresser. Um, if, you need to get, if you need to get your eyebrows down in New York and you don't know where to go, I'm me too. Um, if you want to seriously consider um, going into the RLDP at Amazon, um, becoming, getting involved in retail whatsoever within the Amazon sphere, I think we can chat. And if you have any friends that are considering the J-term... And, like, don't get me wrong, there's many positives of the, of the J-term. Like, it's a very, like, it's been a very enriching experience. There are very many positives. I'm here, I'm graduating from CBS. Like, a lot of the alumni that I have spoken to, for no reason at all, are, were also J-terms. There's a lot of kinship. Um, but I think there is another part that people who have lived in New York and are going to be recruiting in New York um, don't know about. So I think if you have a friend that's considering coming into the J-term, and they want to talk to someone that has lived here and like lived through the whole like having to recruit afterwards and explain. Um, you should also reach out. Amazing. And uh, final question is: I don't want this to end. Give us three book recommendations. Okay. Or recommendations. Um. But is... because you said you're okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going we, to. We need those titles. Okay, let me. Um, <laughs> I'm going. To... I, I have a list of books. I have a list of books that I'm going to, um, hold on. Okay, so my first recommendation is um, when you're on a first date, you need to ask the person what their favorite restaurant, like everyday restaurant in New York is. Like the, the question is, if it's a Wednesday night and you're having dinner with your friends, where are you going? Uh -huh. It's an, super telling. And the best answer is 12 chairs, by the way. <laughs> in the West? Uh, What's like, a big red flag? Uh, Novo. <laughs> Carbone. Like, some, like, really sceny. Like, what you're looking for in that answer uh -huh. is you're looking for a neighborhood spot. You're looking for, like, a low... And you're low-key. Maybe you haven't heard of it. You're looking... Like, you're looking for, like, a... Maybe it's walk-in. You're looking for, like, something really low-key. Yeah. You're not looking... If someone... If someone's Wednesday night includes, like, they're chilling and they're going to Carbone, I think you should reevaluate who you're dating. <laughs> uh, okay. I read a lot of nonfiction. Yeah. So my first recommendation would be Invisible Child, mm. which was written by um, this first-time writer for the New York Times, and it follows a family experiencing homelessness 
in New York, specifically this girl called Dasani, and it's incredibly well-written. A lot of people don't like to read sad books. Um, I think grow up. Like, the world is, is, like, there's sadness in the world, but also this book is written as if it was a movie, and the woman does a very good job at, like, um, following. Um, and next, maybe something that is more for everyone. Um, okay, there's this little book called A Gentle Reminder, which is not a book book. It's, like, uh, comprised of, like, phrases, um, stories, quotes, um, I recommend you buy the book. It's small. Um, and I think it's so... It's, like, really good to, like, um, have around when you're, like, having a bad day. Mm. Yeah. My sister gave it to me when, like, when I was going through a hard time. And, like, I have it all annotated. I love it. If you're interested in the state of, like, higher education, mm-hmm. it, from, like, a very, 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 like, recent perspective obviously like very pre-pandemic the book came out in like february of 2020 the book is called the year that the years that matter most it is so good it is it follows kids it's this researcher that has like been working on like college admissions and for a very long time and on the achievement gap um and it almost reads it almost reads like like a novel even though it's not um, but I think it it will also um, maybe for people that have like studied in the U.S. and met and met some like people from like a different walks of life. I think it'll be like a, I think it'll be enlightening, and I think it will highlight maybe many questions or doubts that you have about like um, this um, fal- falsehood that education is the great equalizer. Mm. Like it's not. Uh, but this is this book is really good and it's very recent amazing thank you so much for those recommendations so we've come to the end of this episode i just want to thank you so much for sharing so candidly with us and giving us insights into your life your background your time at cbs your career um yeah it's it's been a very very interesting conversation and once again i have to thank you because the way this episode came about was through a unique way through our class and through uh offering me a favor through a power and influence class so thank you so much for doing that you did me the favor (laughs) and this was really awesome so the final words are yours thank you so much um i think one parting thing that i will say is that the grass is always greener but you need to like water where you are. We did like we know day. We did like we know day. I said we did like we know day. Bad vibes save our way.